It's a real honor to be with you. I appreciate the invitation from your pastor. And uh, I hate my wife is not with me today. Normally she travels with me. Uh, I, told, I told the pastor, we talked a few days ago, I said, uh, you helped me out. You just didn't know it. Uh, my wife had to go to a, a, a wedding last night, part of a family. And uh, I, I don't mean anything bad about it, but it got me out of having to go to the wedding, right? That's... that's only thing worse than that's a funeral, but uh, and they are similar, but <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm talking about the actual ceremony, not, not the. <laughs> I appreciate you as a church. You have been faithful and you've supported our ministry for a number of years, and uh, and you're so kind. And I appreciate you doing that. And I encourage you to to be here tonight, please. I hope I don't run anyone off today, but please come back this evening. Uh, I'll use the time this evening to give you an update on our ministry and uh, let you know what's happening with our work in China and here in the U.S. Uh, tonight we'll be talking about our distribution ministry that has been ongoing. We'll, uh, we'll even talk about smuggling. We'll, we may recruit some smugglers, right? And uh, we've done that over the years in getting scriptures not only in China, through China, but also our ministry that reaches even into North Korea. And uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that tonight and uh, give you some information about that. Also, we are involved here in the U.S. A number of you have already have asked and, and with meeting last night about, you know, am I in China? Am I here? And, and uh, we'll, we'll give you more details tonight about that. Of course, COVID changed our world, right? Of course it did, and, uh, and since that originated in China, uh, it wasn't very, I don't know, it wasn't very helpful going around the churches with your prayer card at that time It said China. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. It'd, it'd greet you with a Lysol can, right? Yeah, sorry. Um, but my daughter always reminded me, my youngest daughter, from the time we started working in China, she, she always says, Daddy, you remember, everything's made in China, right? <laughs> and that, that's probably true. Um, we are working actively here in the U.S. as, as well. There's over 6.5 million Chinese here in the United States. And uh, we have started, uh, I'll give details about that tonight. I mean, I just got to give you a teaser. I want you to come back. And uh, about our restaurant ministry that we have started, I said that in a church not long ago. I just mentioned about our, our Chinese restaurant ministry, and the pastor was seated behind me. He immediately got up. He said, I don't know what that's about, but I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. Count me in. And uh, side note, uh, last night, the meal, all the food was wonderful. Well, most of it was wonderful. There was a few things where, you know, it was interesting. Some was wonderful. Some was interesting, right? And uh, I hated to disappoint the group that sponsored the Asian table, right? I, I disappointed some of them because I went there first, and of course they had a big bowl of fortune cookies, right, you know, from China. And I said, I hate to tell you this, but that's something us Americans made up. You know, most people don't know that, you know. I have Chinese friends, Pastor, when I, I would go to China, get ready to go and come back, and they'd email me and they'd say, can you bring some of those fortune cookies we can see what they are? <laughs> uh, this evening, I'm sure, uh, Brother Jeremy's already talked to some, I'm sure of this, but we're going to meet this evening at 4 o'clock uh, in the uh, 
gymnasium, I think, with some of the young people. And we're going to be assembling packets this afternoon for Chinese restaurants. I've already done the research, and I found over 65 Chinese restaurants between here and Richmond. Over 65. And so we have packets that we assemble. I've got our new John in Romans. I have this with me today. This is, I'm excited about this. This took us almost a year to get. This particular John in Romans is a parallel uh, King James English and Chinese both for John in Romans. We've never had that before. We've never needed that before because all of our work's been in China, of course. But we felt a need to have this to, as we reach Chinese here in America. So we actually have this now as a QR code on the back that takes them to our website and gives other information. So we're going to be inserting uh, John in Romans. We have some, a number of chick tracks. We have other gospel tracks. So just a whole bunch of information. We'll be putting those in with these young people this afternoon and putting together those 65 or so packets. I learned in China the art of getting free labor. And uh, <laughs> so I'm using free labor this afternoon. We'll be putting those packets together. And then this evening, we're going to give some of them to you. We'll make them available. We'll put them down front because you probably frequent some Chinese restaurant in the area. Hopefully, right? And uh, so we're going to make, make use of that and let you be a missionary. Right? Sure, sure. Go and share it. And so we'll talk more about that this evening. And, uh, but again, it's just an honor to be with you today. Um, you've heard this said many times. Sometimes preachers will come to the pulpit, and it might make the pastor nervous, I understand. But sometimes a special guest speaker will come and say what I'm about to say, that I've struggled with the message today. You've heard, and, and I'll be honest, I have struggled with the message today. Because I know where I'm at first. And I, I know the history of your church, and I know the heart of your church, and the heart of your pastor and missions. So there's not much that I could say or present to you or preach to you to challenge you about missions that you probably haven't already heard over and over again. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. And I could challenge you today about faith promise giving. I could tell you missionary stories, and we could just pick a passage in Acts and find where Paul went to a particular place and, and use that. We, we could find some story that Jesus used and, uh, about reaching people. You've heard all of those stories. And, and again, I'm not saying that's bad. That's good. But I, I want to take a little bit different direction today, it just, but I'll make a missions application. And so, now that the pastor's nervous, <laughs> um, turn with me to Romans chapter 1. Now, I have good news and bad news concerning the message today. Good news and bad news. I'll give you the bad news first so that way I can make you feel better afterwards. Uh, the bad news is I have 52 points. No amens, some nervous laughter, and the pastor said, awesome, right? 52 points today. Now, that's the bad news. Now, here's the good news. I'm going to give you 52 points today faster than your pastor gives you a three-point message. 
I got a lot of amens there, right? I know, I watch online sometimes. I you never know who's tuning in. I've tuned in a few times. But I want you to use your Bible today. We're going to move quickly, right? 52 points, we've got to move quickly. But the point I want to make today and emphasize to you is that we serve a great God. Me struggling with the message today was kind of affirmed while Sunday school was going on because I was listening as you were to these missionaries that, that came up. And I was impressed with them. They're all going to four distinct different areas, different ministries, needed ministries. And uh, I, I was listening, of course, listening to what they had to say. And, and I picked up on a theme. Now, I picked up on it because I was praying about the message, right? So I, I knew what I was going to preach, but I wanted it to be confirmed. And I kept hearing today about how this area needs to know about God. This area is, is atheistic, and they don't even believe in God. And this area once had the gospel, but now they're the most wicked city in America, and... and these people need help with missionaries. And, and over and over, I, I kept hearing our servicemen need to hear about God. So I want to emphasize today that we serve a great God, and that should be our motivation to do what we do. Right? right? That should be our motivation. Well, I could encourage you and motivate you or tell you a sad story and do whatever to try to motivate you in some way to, to give the missions or to surrender the missions. And, and, but the point is, this world needs to learn and hear of a great God that we serve. That should be our motivation, right? So let's look at the Bible today. And I, I want to preach to you a, a Bible message. Now, you would say, what other kind of message is there? Well, trust me, I've heard quite a few. You have too. I've heard the opinion messages. You know, I've heard the political messages, and I've heard different topics. I've, you know, I've heard different messages. But today, I'm, I'm literally giving you a Bible message. So if you mark your Bible, mark it, um, and you'll go back and you'll, you'll see what, what the Bible has to say about God today. So are you with me at Romans chapter 1? So let's begin. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto, here's our first one, the gospel of God. Mark it. That's what we're preaching about today. The gospel of God. What is that? That's the good news that we hear. We know what the gospel is, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. That's what Paul is preaching. That's what he's proclaiming. And he starts with that in verse 1. It's the gospel that we are proclaiming, the gospel of God. Now, you know the book of Romans, I'm sure. You, if you've been in church any length of time, you understand that the book of Romans is um, it's, it's somewhat of a transitional book. Paul is preaching both to the Jews and to the Gentiles. It's a really heavy doctrinal book. And we can get bogged down on just about any chapter you want to pick. We could really get bogged down in some deep, or some deep theology, right? And we may even come across some passages that we might not even agree on as independent fundamental Baptists, right? It's that kind of book. But 
Throughout the book, Paul reveals to us who God is. Who God is. And we learn in the first verse about the gospel of God. Now you already know, if I stop and I comment on all 52 points, we'll be here all day, right? 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 And I've already promised you I would do it quicker than the three-point message, right? So we, some of these we're just going to go quickly, but stay with me. Look at verse 4. You find the next one. And declared to be the Son of God. That's what the gospel is about. That's what we're preaching about. That's why we're sending missionaries. That's why we're giving. That's why we're praying. That's why we're worshiping today because of the darling Son of God. In verse 7, Paul tells us of the beloved of God. In verse 10, look at this, you'll start seeing them, they'll jump out to you. At the end of the verse, you find the will of God. And God has a will for every person in this room today. It may not be God's will that you go to Iceland. Maybe God didn't call you there or, or call you to South Korea. But God has a will and a purpose for every person that's seated here today. The will of God. Verse 16, you know the verse, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Here's the next one. For it is the power of God. We serve a powerful God today. We don't serve some weak, frail, gray-haired, stumbling, fumbling around old man. Sounds like I just described the president, didn't it? No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I, shouldn't, I shouldn't have said that. That wasn't fair. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> no, listen. We serve a powerful God. He's not weakened by age. Right? No, he's eternal. And he's powerful today. He's all powerful. Say, how powerful is God? I'm glad you asked. Paul went on to say, it's the power of God unto salvation. He's powerful enough to save. He was powerful enough to save me as a six-year-old boy. He's powerful enough to save the drunk, the harlot, the thief, the robber. No matter what the sin is, it's all sin. God is powerful enough to save everyone. He's a powerful God. Just to remind you how great he is. Look at verse 17. And you see the righteousness of God. That just means God is right. In all that he does, God is right. Doesn't mean that Robbie understands everything that God does. Because I don't. There are times I question God. You say, well, you shouldn't question God. No, 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 no. It's okay to question God. It just depends on how you question God. I don't mind my children asking me questions, right? If they ask it in the right way. God does right. God is righteous in all that he does, regardless if I understand, regardless if I agree or not. It doesn't matter. He's righteous today. Verse 18. You see here the wrath of God revealed. You know, we don't hear about that much today. I mean, you stick the microphone into the athlete's face or the politician, and many times they'll invoke the name of God, right? Or the love of God, and we'll get to that, but no one wants to mention or talk very much about the wrath of God, but he, he is also a wrathful God. In verse 19, we see that there are things and people that are known of God. See it? Keep going. In verse 25, Paul reveals the truth of God. 
And in verse 30, we find here that there are haters of God. We, we hear of persecution. I'll, I'll mention some of that tonight. And we hear, hear of actual physical persecution. People who name the name of Christ. And we say that they, they hate them because of Christ. But actually, they, they may not necessarily hate the person. They hate the God that we serve. Right? Haters of God. And because of that, the next one's in verse 32. And Paul reveals the judgment of God. God will judge sin. In fact, God judges sin in two ways. First of all, God judged sin in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ took upon himself the sin of the world. Your sin, my sin. And when he hung on the cross and became the ultimate sacrifice for my sin and for your sin, that day, God turned his back on his own son. Why? Because he couldn't look at sin. Jesus did not become a sinner. The Bible says he became sin for us. And on that day, God judged sin in the cross in his son, Jesus Christ. And for all that will receive that and believe on him, our sins are washed away, right? But there's a second way that God judges sin. God will judge sin in hell. For those who reject his son, Jesus Christ, why would anyone reject that sacrifice? Why would anyone reject that forgiveness that he gives us? And yet they do. And the Bible says that the judgment of God will come upon them. You say, well, all that sounds bad, Brother Robbie. That that's, sounds pretty rough. That's gloomy. And yeah, it is bad, but it gets better. Look at chapter 2. In verse 4, Paul reveals to us in this verse the goodness of God. Amen? Isn't he a good God? Has he been good to you? Sure he has. The fact that you're seated here today and clothed and you drove here in a nice automobile, you probably had some food this morning, breakfast, or at least coffee. Can I get amen right there? Right? right. Sure. That's because God's been good to you. The goodness of God. He's a great God. In verse 17, we see here that there are those that boast of God. And in verse 24, Paul gives the name of God. And we can spend a lot of time on the different names of God and the significance and what they mean, but he's telling us about the name of God. Chapter 3 and verse 2, Paul reveals here the oracles of God. Keep going. And in verse 3, I find the faith of God given. He's just telling us about God. In verse 18, you'll find the fear of God. And then you know the verse probably by heart in verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. <laughs> the glory of God that we can't even look upon with our human eye, being impossible to see the glory of God. Hmm. In verse 25, I find the forbearance of God. Keep going. We're going, we're going to use the whole, whole book of Romans today. Chapter 4 and verse 20, Paul tells us in this verse about the promise of God. Oh, you know the story. God promised a child to, 
Sarah and Abraham. And that was physically impossible at their age, but, but God made a promise. Can I tell you, remind you that God keeps his promises? <laughs> sure, sure he does. He's a great God. That's what we're trying to tell the world about, a great God. Chapter 5. I mentioned it just a moment ago, but in verse 5 of chapter 5, here you find the love of God. What great love that God has for you and for me. You know, it's easy, we've heard this all, many times, it's a simple message. It's easy for us to love people who love us, right? That's easy, right? There's some people you just like to be around, right? That they, they're enjoyable. You, you enjoy their company. You love them, and you'll do things for them. Maybe it's family, maybe it's friends, but that's easy. That's the easy kind of love. It's much harder to love someone who doesn't care anything for you that would harm you, would hurt you, who despises what you are, who you are. But yet that's the kind of love that God had for you and for me. The love of God. You think that's something worth telling people about? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Look over to page verse 15, and here you find the grace of God. Wow, that amazing grace, matchless grace, marvelous grace. We, we write songs about it. We sing about it. We preach about it. We try to describe it. But I'm reminded of my former pastor, Dr. Seitler. He, he would say, he would preach on the grace of God, and he would make this statement. He said, the grace of God is like trying to hug a mountain. You, you can't do it. You, you can't get your arms around all of it, right? That's how great the grace of God is that would reach sinners that it would reach to the darkest places of this world, whether it be on the other side of the world or if it would be just down the street. Grace of God. I'm thankful that we serve a great God today. Chapter 6, you know the verse, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but here's the next one, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's that wonderful gift. We serve a great God. Chapter 7, in verse 22, the law of God is given. I, I'm not going to say much about that. We'll, like I said, we can't mention each one of them. But can I tell you that God's law doesn't change? Oh, I understand the law in the Old Testament that was for the Jews and all the things they had to do. And I understand we're under grace. We don't have to do all those things they had to do. I, I get all of that, but God's law hasn't changed. I'll move on. Chapter 8. In verse 9, Paul introduces the Spirit of God. That's the sweet Holy Spirit that lives within you as a believer. The Spirit of God that indwells us and gives us the power we mentioned a moment ago to do what we do, whatever it may be. The Spirit of God leads us and directs us, and we're submissive if we are to that Spirit. Then he, he will reveal God, and He will reveal His will, and He'll reveal the path that you should walk, and He'll reveal how you should live and conduct yourself as a Christian. That's what the Spirit of God does within us as believers. The Spirit of God. Verse 14, Paul tells us that we're the sons of God. Aren't you glad you're one of those today? I am. It goes even further. Look at verse 16. We're also the children of God. I'm glad I'm one of those today. It goes even further. Look at verse 17. And we're also heirs of God. I'm all three today. Amen. 
Why? Because I serve a great God. Same chapter. In verse 34, Paul reveals that Jesus is Christ today is at the right hand of God. That's where he's at today making, it says, making intercession for us. We know that's, that's when I'm praying to God and I'm pouring out my heart to him. The, the Son of God is there interceding on my behalf, bringing my petitions to the God of this universe that he would care about whatever I have need of. Right? That's because he's a great God. Chapter 9. In verse 4, Paul reveals the service of God. And then in verse 6, he, he mentions the Word of God. That's, that's what I'm preaching out of today. I, I'm giving a little commentary, of course, but I'm just giving you the Word of God and how important it is. We'll talk about that tonight as well, how important the Word of God is to get into the hands of people who've never heard. All right. The psalmist David said he has magnified his Word even above his name. I, I'm not sure I understand that, but that tells me the importance of the Word of God. In verse 11, you'll see in this verse the purpose of God. Move to chapter 10. In chapter 10, in verse 2, he reveals the zeal of God. And then verse 3, we'll learn that there are those ignorant of God. And then in chapter 11... Verse 4, Paul tells us about the answer of God. God has an answer for every man. No one will be able to stand before God with, with any valid excuse. The answer of God. In verse 22, you'll see in this verse the severity of God. So what's that mean, Brother Robbie? That, that just means this is serious business. Serious. I mean, we're meeting this weekend about serious business. Oh, you have many activities of your church, and all of them are valid, and all of them are important, and you've got conferences coming up, marriage conferences. I heard the announcement. And you have youth retreats, and you'll have all kind of things that go on throughout the course of the year that are important to this church. But can I tell you, there's nothing more important than what we're doing this weekend. This is serious business. This is getting the gospel out around the world. Your pastor's exposing you to different ministries and different missionaries. And they get up in this pulpit and they, they give you the burden of their heart. I'm going here. I'm going there. God called me there. That's amazing to me how God works among individuals and places them in different places around the world. But this is serious business. You've been given the task to help send these missionaries. That's serious. They're depending on you. They're depending on the Lord, but they're depending on God's people to get them where they need to be and keep them there because it's serious business, the severity of God. I, I believe God understands that. I'm sure he does. Still in chapter 11, in verse 20, you'll find the calling of God. In verse 20, or verse 33 rather, you find two of them here. You find the wisdom and knowledge of God. I said earlier, I don't understand all that God does. His ways are far beyond my ways and my understanding. The great wisdom of our God. He's a great God. 
You know the verse in chapter 12, don't you? Verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, here's the next one, by the mercies of God. I'm glad God was merciful to me. Chapter 13, verse 1. You find here there are those ordained of God. And in verse 2, you see the ordinance of God. And in verse 4, I find the minister of God. Very important. Chapter 14, in verse 17, you see the, the kingdom of God is revealed. And in verse 20, Paul mentions the work of God. Pause there for a moment. The work of God. How God would work through us as human beings. On earth, we're, we're his eyes, we're his hands, we're his feet. We, the work of God. And, and the work of God will go on despite difficulties. But, but can I just pause here and remind us today that we all have work to do? Now, you know and I know we're not saved by our works. No, that'd be impossible. There's nothing I could do that would gain me entrance to heaven that would please God. Nothing that I could do. No work. Only by his grace. But because I am saved, I do have work to do. Right? I mean, it's, it's easy in a congregation. I mean, we... We know what the pastor's job is, right? We know his work. He, he stands in the pulpit and he, he preaches to you two, three, four times a week. And he prepares his messages and he, uh, he studies and he, he visits the, the sick and he goes to the hospital and he goes to the shut-ins and he goes to, uh, buries the dead and he marries those that are alive and he, um, he picks up papers in the church and cleans the restroom and cuts the grass and and cleans all the buildings. What else did you tell me you did, Brother Ray? You gave me <laughs> a long, long list of stuff he said he does. <laughs> we know what his job is, right? What's your job? We are a body, aren't we? A group, a collective, a church. A pastor cannot do all of those things I just mentioned. At least he can't do all of them very well. <laughs> I'm serious. There's no way you could do all of those things well. Oh, so what's your job? Somebody has to teach the Sunday school classes. Someone has to play the instruments. Someone has to sing in the choir. What's your job? Someone takes up the offering. Someone has to count it. Someone has to take it to the bank. Someone has to pay the bills. Someone has to take care of the young people. Someone's in nursery today. You have to be called of God to work in the nursery. Right? Right? Amen. And if the preacher preaches too long, they, they know, right? But, but what's your job? We can't all be the missionary, right? We know that. We can't all be the pastor. We can't all be the music director. But God has a job, a work for you to do. I came here this morning. I got here a little bit early before most of you. Someone opened the door for me and greeted me and said, good to have you today. 
That's part of the work of God. You say, well, I don't have a job. Come see the pastor after service. I'm serious. I, I bet you yeah, he has a long list of things that he could probably put you to work doing. The work of God. Hmm. Chapter 15. Verse 5. I see in this verse the patience and the consolation of God. A God of patience and consolation. Some of you have needed that latter part, that consolation, right? God of patience. If you know me or knew me very well, closely, you would learn quickly that I'm not a very patient person. My wife was here. She was just been filled with the Holy Ghost and said amen and probably running. Because she lives with me, right? She knows that I'm not a very patient person. I'm one of those type A personalities. I want everything done my way because it's the right way. It's got to be done now. It's got to be done this way, you know. Right? <laughs> I got a witness. There's some others like that here. Right? But God was patient with me. I, I dare say, I don't know you personally, but I, I would guess in a congregation this size, there's probably someone seated here today that you did not answer God's call the first time he called for you. Maybe there's someone here and you didn't answer the call of God the second time he called out to you. Or the third time he called out to you. Can I tell you something? You, you should be very grateful that Robbie Mullinax is not God. I'm serious. If I came today to the service and I had a package wrapped and I brought it and I come to the pulpit and I said, you know, today I'm here today and I've got this beautiful package and a gift for your pastor and I want to give this to you today. And your pastor said, well, let's just do that tonight. We'll do it later. And I would say, okay, but it's a real nice gift, pastor. He goes, well, be, just, let's, that's okay, but I'm not really interested. Give it to someone else. Maybe someone else needs it more than I do. Well, that would sound nice. But to be honest with you, I would be a little bit offended. And to be honest with you, I would take my real nice gift that I bought especially for him and i just kind of set it over here and, and I'll be in another church next Sunday. <laughs> I got this real nice gift for you, you know, right? I'm just being honest, right? He didn't want my gift. How many times have we rejected Christ. How many times have we turned away? How many times have we failed to do what we know he's told us to do? Over and over and over again? I'm raising my hand. But yet God was patient with me. Because he's a God of patience. It gets better Look at verse 13. He's a God of hope. God of hope. 
You know, when you go to some of these foreign countries, and I've been to many, I know your pastor has some of you, but you go to some of these areas that and you'll see poverty. Speak people living, you think, how in the world did they survive? And you share the gospel with them. And they get that glimmer of hope. Of hope. That's hope that there's a better world than this world. There's a better circumstance than the circumstance I'm in right now. There's something better. And you get to share with them how great a God we serve. And they get that hope. He's a great God. And then look at verse 33. He's also a God of peace. I sang about it a moment ago. That peace that when, when you go home tonight, when the day's done, you lay down and you, you can rest tonight, and if you have trusted the Lord as your Savior and you know all is well between you and God, and you can lay down tonight and there may be problems, there may be difficulties, you may be battling things in your life and situations, we all do, but you can lay down tonight with the peace of knowing if I don't wake up, I have that hope that there's a better home for me, <laughs> a home that the Lord has prepared for me. That's the peace that passeth all understanding. That's the peace that the world does not have. They're searching for things. They're trying to fill their lives with the things of the world to get a, just a slice of that peace. And us as children of God, we have that every day. The peace of God. Chapter 16, last one. I, I've done really well. Last one. Look with me in verse 26. Let, let, let's, make, let's, let's sum this up and let's make the mission application. Paul says in verse 26, you see it already in the middle of the verse, he makes mention of the commandment of the everlasting God. You see that? That's the commandment of God. Well, what would that be? Well, let's back up, get some context. Look at verse 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. What in the world is Paul talking about? Some mystery and a, a revelation of some secret. What could he be talking about? Well, you study your Bible and you've listened to your pastor. You know that Paul is revealing the church, us as believers. He, he's preaching and teaching to the Jews. The Jews were a lot like us Baptists, right? Because they thought they were the only ones. <laughs> you know, a lot like us. Uh, I don't think we're the only ones. I think we're the right ones, but I don't think we're the only ones. <laughs> but he's used this whole book, and he's teaching those two groups of people. And he reveals to these Jews, well, also the Gentiles, but he's letting these Jews know, listen, there's another group of people. There's the church. God gave his life. Jesus gave his life for the church, the born-again believers. That's us. And he's revealing that to them. That's secret. But then he says, but is now made manifest. I mean, he's making this known about the church. 
Did you see what he said? And then he gives the commandment. It's the commandment of the everlasting God, listen, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. I don't know about you, when I read those verses, it sounds a lot like what Jesus told his disciples when he left this earth. He gave a commandment. What was it? To go ye into all the world, all the nations, and preach the gospel, make disciples. And here Paul sums up this whole book, all these great things about God. And then he tells all of these believers, he's telling both the Jews, he's telling the Gentiles, he's telling us, and through the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's telling us today, I have a commandment for you. The commandment of God. Go tell somebody. That's simple, isn't it? Go tell somebody how great a God we serve today. Should that not be our motivation? I gave you 50-something reasons, 50-something things of how great God is. Pick one. Pick a bad one. It still works. Pick a good one. It works. Just pick one. And tell people how great a God we serve. And if we do that, church, you and my church and other churches and collective, we won't have any problem sending these missionaries to wherever they're going. No problem doing that. Because we're all telling them and telling the world that we serve a great God. A great God. That's my message to you today. Let's stand together. Your pastor's coming. He'll close the service. He knows his people. Lord, I pray today that you would Use your word, you will. You said it would not return void. Lord, I commented that the word of God is powerful. And I pray, God, that it would reach into the hearts of your people today. Maybe you spoke to someone today about a work they need to do. Maybe you spoke to some lost person today and they said, I don't even know about this great God, at least not the way you're talking about him. I'd like to know him personally. That could, that could happen today. So God, would you please take the message and use it for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor. With her head still bowed, Miss Debbie's going to play when she's ready. You've heard the message this morning, folks. We're not going to belabor the invitation. I don't think it's necessary to do that, but... If God has spoken to your heart today, and I am positive that he's done that, he spoke to mine, we do serve a great God. We've seen it scattered all throughout the book of Romans. We serve a great God, and we have a commission, we have a command to go, to tell, to preach the nations, to explain, to share. As God spoke to your heart this morning, you're already standing. Would you make your way here? He's spoken to your heart. Come on, right now. Right now. Right now. Don't linger. You know God's spoken to your heart. You know where you need to be. You know you need to be at this place, at this altar. This is, a, this is an old-fashioned altar, we call it. And for the purpose of talking to the Lord, seeking Him, seeking His guidance,
I understand if you're, if you're physically unable, that's quite all right. Just right there in your seat, just take a moment and talk to the Lord this morning. Would you do that? We serve a great God. A great God. Think about all those different aspects of who God is. And He's full of each one of them. He's he's the persona of perfection. In each one of those, patience and love and mercy and hope and peace, righteousness and judgment, faith and works, consolation, all of them. (laughs) How has He spoken to your heart this morning? Would you be obedient to Him? This is your opportunity right now. Let me ask you two questions. How many here today would be able to raise a hand and say, Pastor, if something happened to me and I were to die, I'm, I have zero doubt, no doubt in my heart, no doubt in my mind, I know that I would go to heaven if I were to die. Can you raise your hand? Can you raise your hand confidently? Amen. God bless you. Let me ask you this question. Is there anybody here today would be honest enough to say, Pastor, if something happened to me and I were to die, I don't know that I'd go to heaven, but I know I do not want to go to hell. I'm not sure about heaven, but I know I don't want to go to hell. Would you pray for me? Anyone at all, would you slip your hand up? Right straight up, right back down. Let me Just let me recognize it. I won't embarrass you. I won't come to you. I won't send anyone to you. But I do sincerely want to pray for you. Anybody like that at all? Preacher, pray for me. For those of you watching online, thank you for tuning in today to our service. It obviously is our goal to be a blessing and a help to you. If we can further help you or assist you, please reach out to us. There's some information on your screen that will be, uh, you can reach out to us and we'll get back to you promptly. We do thank you for watching. God bless you.